Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Run for the Song Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Drum for the Song Podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today, my guest is the excellent Mike Tarana. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing good. Doing As good. you can see, I'm behind the kit. You are behind the kit, which is a nice place. Playing, yes, the nice place is my office, and I'm playing for the song. <laughs> well, exactly. You do that very well. Um, I kind of watch you do it most days on my Instagram feed as I'm flicking through, and normally you pop up on there maybe <laughs> twice or three times sometimes. I think today, uh, the day we're filming this, it's been Foo Fighters Learn to Fly, which is right. probably historically with my kind of age group, my era is a, a massive song, a massive influence to me, that era of Foo Fighters. Um, great song. It is a great song. And I've played it many times in, a, in cover bands myself and things uh, like that. Fun. So, yeah, so it was, it, it was like cool to see you do something from that kind of Thank era. You. But, Thank um, you. I'm I, I hope I don't appear too much. Some people are like, you're posting too much. Go get out of our group. And I'm like, okay, I leave I, your group. I, that's it's strange, Ooh. man. Cause I, I think I saw, obviously you're a, you're a Pisces artist like, like myself. Um, I, I noticed something in a, oh, in a Pisces fan group or Pisces yeah. 2002 group. Yeah. And it was someone yeah. complaining that you're posting too much, but I'm like, well, this is the kind of stuff we want to see. We want to see the symbols. We want to hear the symbols live. And I, like, I love videos like that because you can only get yeah. so much. Their website is great. The sound samples on their website is they're yeah. great, but really cool. to see someone playing with a kit, that's what I want to hear. Um, sure. I don't that's know. why we watch the police and Stuart Copeland and, uh, uh we watch, uh, uh, Nico McBrain and all the other guys. The guy actually said, is this the Mike Tirana show or is this the Peisty 2002? Yeah. And I said, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I've been locked in the house for a, a year and a half. I, I just like to show my, my stuff, you know, I'm doing it for free yeah, out of the goodness. I'm doing it for the love, for the love of the kids. But this guy was like, Dude. and all the other guys were like, no symbols should be heard. Yeah. And this guy's like, no, I'm here for the gear. And I'm like, okay, I respect that. See you later. Mm. I was post posting once a week and then I just left. Wow. You actually left in the end. That's, that's so sad. That's so sad. Sometimes it's better just to leave. Mm. You know what I mean? Have you ever been at a party that no one wanted you there? <laughs> I've been to many of those. Okay. <laughs> I think. Like, why doesn't that guy get out of here? Like, okay, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave. I'm taking my beer with me. That's harsh, man. That's really harsh. But, um, yeah, well, Reality. interesting story. Um, you're yes. very active on social media, which is what, you know, one of yes. the reasons I kind of thought you'd be really great for the show. Um, I started you. following you maybe maybe nine months ago after my, my podcast oh. with Bob Richards, which I know you're a friend Bob of. Richards. So he's, he's, a did, diamond, he's a diamond geezer. He is. He, he's a fantastic guy, fantastic drummer. And he, yes. he suggested, oh, you should get Mike Tarana on the show. At the time, yeah. to be honest with you, I, I, did, I wasn't aware of who you were. And I, I checked uh -huh. you up on Instagram and I was like, oh, wow, this guy's awesome. Um, my hat's on. Yeah, you were wearing a hat? My hat's on backwards. I'm sorry. I was in a hurry. Uh, I, I was wearing a face mask to my day job. 
earlier this afternoon and I realized I had you on the wrong way around. <laughs> and I was walking around yeah. and all these people were looking at me. So don't worry about that. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was like, oh, this guy's done a lot of stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, you've, you know, yeah. you've, you've played with some amazing artists, um, like Ingve Malmsteen. I don't know if that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce it. I think so. Tony that's McAlpine, um, yes. Axel, Rudy Pell, which I remember, I remember, I think I've seen him uh-huh. live when I was a kid. He was on like a G3, the G3 show. I don't know if you had anything to do with that, or mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And mm-hmm. yeah, so for mm-hmm. anyone listening, look up your website or Wikipedia. There's a big list of people and albums you've played on and live yeah. shows you've been a part of. So you've you've done a hell of a lot. Um, yeah, over thank the you. Years. <laughs> yeah, so one of the... Um, things I wanted to ask, which I know you've get asked a lot, but could you briefly describe how you initially got into drumming and like kind of how old you were and stuff like that and mm-hmm. who your main influences were, please? Sure. Sure. Well, it all started back in the sixties and I wanted to be, um, a guitar player when I was about six. And then one day I was sitting in the back seat of my mom's car in 68 and the Rolling Stones came on. You know, when you're a kid and you look out the back window and the speakers are there. Well, I started playing, you know, doing some bongo activity. <laughs> and I and I thought to myself, hey, I'm pretty good. I can keep a beat. So I thought maybe I should be a drummer. And I was playing to the Rolling Stones. Hey, hey, you, you get off of my cloud. Remember that song? Probably before your time, way before your time. But anyway, yeah, way before we're jamming on that. And I thought, yeah, I want to be a drummer. And then I, uh, my uncle gave me a drum set, my first drum set. It was a Slingerland Radio King drum set, 24-inch bass drum, white pearl, a 14-inch rack tom, and a snare drum. Oh, wow. And I traded it away for another drum set that had a better color. That's how stupid I was. When you're a kid, you do stupid shit. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, yeah. but uh, I remember one day also I was sitting in my mom's car. It was maybe... 68 69 around that time and led zeppelin came on the radio oh yeah and i i heard those drums and i remember saying to my mom i said turn that up you know remember we used to hear songs on the radio and uh i she's i said turn that up mom she's like all right turn she turns it up and i'm like when the song was finished i said that music is from the future That's what I said. I said, that music is futuristic. And it's funny because today we are still listening to that music. We're still listening to John Bonham. So absolutely. And, um, you know, obviously it was way before my time. And when I was like early 20s, I kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying I didn't know who Led Zeppelin were, but I just Mm -hmm. kind of discovered and went back and listened to all the music. So people are still doing that now. Kids are still doing that now. And they always will. Better late than never. Yeah. But, you know, John Bonham was a Brit, an Englishman. And he when he was making those records, he was quite young. And every record that this man made is a, is a drumming masterpiece. It's a drum lesson. No one was playing drums like this guy. Very interesting, huh? To- totally. And that's what I always find fascinating. Beautiful. Kind of speaking to guys, you're, you know, no mm-hmm. offense, your kind of age who were around when it came out or, you yeah. know, that I can't imagine what it must've been like hearing this brand new sound yeah, when it was new. Just, <laughs> yeah. When it came out, it was so fresh. It was like a punch in the face. There was Ginger Baker and there was, uh, sorry, the drummer for, uh, I had this name, Mitch Mitchell from, oh, yeah. from Jimi Hendrix, oh. Ginger Baker from Queen, Keith Moon, 
these Ringo Starr, I played all the Beatles records. So all these drummers were floating around. And also I used to play to a lot of pop music. Um, and I didn't realize that most of the pop music I was playing along to on the radio was one drummer. Uh, a, a drummer by the name of Hal Blaine. He was playing for the Mamas and the Papas, the Beach Boys, Frank Sinatra, uh, Sonny and Cher. He played with everybody. He was part of the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Very good book. If you want to read Hal Blaine's autobiography, I highly recommend it. But that Sounds good. Yeah, grew up on all that stuff, you know, and it was an interesting time. The 60s was cool because you had a lot of drummers coming from jazz, into rock they were playing amplified music so all this swing on the ride it wasn't really cutting through but they were still doing it you know if you see ginger baker ginger baker declares himself as a jazz drummer he doesn't think of himself as a rock drummer no i've heard that yeah yeah and if you check out one of his last drum solos where he played with cream at um uh the 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 hall in england the last show that they did uh, where was, um, was it earl's court maybe i don't know no oh god no. i can't remember it now anyway he does a drum solo and he goes into a swing pattern and somewhere in the middle of the solo and it's it's real good man. nice i think he's got african influences yeah it's uh it's just amazing so i grew up on all these guys it was all mixed together bonham and ginger baker keith moon then i started getting into kiss i was nice. a big kiss fan i, I saw kiss in 1974 wow. open up for black sabbath Oh, wow. Uh, just rocked my world. And then I, I was getting into Kiss and I started getting into prog music and I got into, oh, I got into uh, Rush. Ah. Rush Caress of Steel. I saw the Rush Caress of Steel tour with the professor on the drums, Neil yeah. Peart. When I, when I saw this guy play drums, I, I, it changed me. It changed everything about my my life. I said, I want to do what this man is doing. It was so cool. And he really was the professor back then. Yeah. I can okay. imagine. If it, it was, I guess it was like, I've heard prog, uh -huh. but not at the t when that came out, I imagined it must have, I guess you had jazz fusion, which was, mm -hmm. I guess, a progressive form of rock music. But then yeah. that was something new again. And I can imagine he was yeah. doing things no one had ever heard before. Yeah, it was really crazy. And and it was it was all so tight with the song. I mean, Geddy Lee was this three-piece power trio, yep. cool poetry, cool concepts. And and also at this time, too, there was a lot of fusion going on. It was Billy Cobham, Terry Bazio was coming up with Frank Zappa. I love Terry Bazio. It was just incredible. I was into UK. I started getting into all the um fusion, uh, Tony Williams, nice. uh Lenny White, Return to Forever. Weather Report with Jocko and Peter Erskine on drums. Uh, Alex Massive Acuna. Yeah. yeah. If you ever get a chance, Alex Acuna is on that record, Heavy Weather. If you ever get a chance to see Alex Acuna play live, okay. he, he will scare you. Wow. <laughs> He's yeah. incredible. He's like 75 years old, man. He's just... Wow. He's still going. Going like, uh, really well. like an animal, like, like, like on fire, really. These guys that come from that time frame... Yeah. They had something special. They really, they worked their craft, not on the camera. They played in real time. They, they toured and uh, that's where they, they found their voice, you know? Yeah. And then probably the thing that really kicked in into overdrive for me was in 1977. I was 17 years old. 
I went to see a concert. I went to see Journey, but ah. the opening band, the opening band was Van Halen. Oh, yeah. Nice. And it was like <laughs> a big hand. Imagine a giant hand coming down and going, huh. <laughs> I was like, who are these guys? I mean, we never saw anything like Eddie Van Halen before. No. Alex Van Halen was cool. Smith, he was playing for Ronnie Montrose, Open Fire. It was an instrumental record. And the last drummer for Journey was Ainsley Dunsbar. And he was, all the drummers did solos. And it was an, an amazing night of pyrotechnic, pyrotechnic music. It was just incredible. Oh, wow. That must have it was been overload. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was really, it was really because you see these guys, they're right there. You know, it wasn't that this, this stuff with the screen, it's nice. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's convenient. But when you're there and you're being punished, <laughs> it's much more inspiring. Oh, yeah. You're, in you, the flash. you're getting hit with this stuff. It's just, that's what made me want to play the drums. Yeah. Just seeing this, these guys in action, you know, yeah. then. Then the grand masters came of double kick. Yes, I imagine that was the kind of era when they when it started coming in, right? Yeah, Cozy Paul. Yeah, you know a fellow Brit. Yeah, and the the uh, Western version. I'm sorry, the Eastern version, which you know, what would it be? Would it be the Western version, the American version. Tommy Aldridge. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Tommy Aldridge. He's still he's still killing. He's still he, killing. He's still he going. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I wonder. Yeah. So who, what, what, when was the first time you heard Double Kick? Was it one of those guys? Yeah, 1976, I somehow picked up this Rainbow Rising record with Ronnie James Dio, Richie Blackmore, Jimmy Bain. Amazing. Uh, Jim Carrey on keyboards? Carrey? Not Jim Carrey, the comedian. But, yeah, I, and then Cozy, yeah, I don't know. Cozy Powell. And I, I heard this intro to Stargazer. And it just another again. I got I got a hit in the head. I was who is this man? Yeah. Wow, this is new information. This is really cool. What I liked about Cozy Powell was that he played double bass and he had an open tuning like John Bonham. Yes, but with a, a different style. And I know that they were friends. I've seen pictures of them together, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah. Very but um, <laughs> love Cozy Powell. Love Tommy Aldridge. Uh, I love watching guys play drums. I love Lee Kerslake. I saw Lee Kerslake play drums so many times. When he was a young man, he was a real power drummer. He was insp inspirational to see with Uriah Heep. Fantastic. And Ab great songs as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be great to maybe speak to him. I, I recently just had Russell Gilbrook on, who's the current Uriah Heep drummer. So he's right, a great, he's great fantastic drummer as well. But um, yeah, 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 it'd be great to speak to Lee at some point as well. And, and yeah. Tommy Aldridge, that would be cool. That would be very yeah, cool. Tommy Owens. I've met Tommy a few times. It's really weird now that you grow up, uh, you know, idolizing these guys, learning from them. And then one day you're sharing the stage with them on a yeah. drum festival. And it's, it's really crazy. It's really crazy. I've bumped into Tommy Aldridge sometimes backstage at the, the Frankfurt music fair. Yeah. Yeah. Take a picture with him. He knows, he knows who I am. Mm hmm. Hey, Mike, you know, when Terry Basio or Tommy Aldridge says, hey, Mike, or Steve Smith, hi, Mike, how you doing? It's like, wow, this guy's, they know me. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I am in nowhere near the same league, but it's just nice to be swimming around. Of course. Yeah. I'm swimming around their water, you know what I mean? I'm there. <laughs> but they're, they are the sharks, you know? 
They're the big, it's fantastic. They're the big guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all those influences added up to who and what I am today. A guy who plays too many songs on the internet. <laughs> you seem wrong. Well, you seem to shameless, be, shameless self-promotion. Well, now you've got to do it. And, and especially this day and age, I've been, you know, I've and fairly unsuccessfully been trying to build my own kind of um, online presence. I've always been there, uh-huh. but apart from like right. posting things about the band to plug the bands I play in and uh-huh. stuff like that, I haven't really put a lot of drumming content out there. Um, and obviously with the, the, the COVID pandemic last year, I thought I'm going to start this podcast, which is something I had in my head for about a year or two before. And I thought now I've got the time to do it. We don't have any shows, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I'm, um, it's great. And I'm glad I've done it. Um, I still haven't put a lot of drumming online. I've put a few videos up recently for anyone who wants to check them out. Um, I'm still a little bit out of my comfort zone and, and I guess I need more, well, confidence to just do it. You know, I'm not as, that's the problem. Instagram, um, TikTok, which I know you're on TikTok, which is great because mm-hmm. a lot of people Strange. on TikTok are very yeah. young. <laughs> I feel old Yeah, for yes. TikTok and it's great when you pop up, I'm like, yes. And you're, you've got lots of followers and, <laughs> You you must be one of the more popular drummers on there, which is from what I can see, you know, no, I, maybe you must be doing well. The algorithm is yeah, working for some you. Other... <laughs> yes. This is a, a different brand of social media. It took me a while to understand what's actually going on. It's not working like Instagram or Facebook, but you know, I think one of the most important things, if I can give uh, a little bit of advice to guys out there. Yeah, please uh, do. You have to constantly evolve. You know, I come from a completely different system. I've made my living from live touring like your father, you know, yeah, you go yeah. on the road. You can't sell records anymore. So, okay, you make the record. That's an excuse to go on the road and get paid. I was always on the road, flying here and there. And when everything shut down, I said, oh, yeah, ooh, what's, hap- what's happening now? So um, you start to use the social media. It takes time to understand it. Of course, everyone has their own style. And I think what you were talking about with confidence, it's different when you're playing with your band and the lights are on and you're in the back, you know, and the guys, there's guys moving around. But when you're performing for the camera, uh, it's a different story. You're all alone. There's no crowd. There's nobody clapping. There's nobody throwing beer at you. There's no smoke, no secondhand smoke. And also it's the same thing. You know, I'm I'm here recording an album at at the moment too. And it's like these little microphones when you're recording, there's nobody here. You're all alone and you're playing for those microphones. You're performing for the microphones. Yeah. And that takes some time. And when you see the masters, you know, like Simon Phillips or Dave Weckl or Steve Smith or some of the other great session drummers, Jared Robinson, uh, Steve Gadd, these guys play for the microphones. It is different. That's yeah. In, yeah, it's in their mind. It's like it's not about the crowd. It's not about showing off when the camera's there well then it's like microphones and oh the camera's on me do i look stupid maybe <laughs> <laughs> i i always think you're nothing i can do about amazing. this it's the, it's the no, face look, god gave me it looks great and you know the, the mozart video and the santa claus video i love it a lot and i think it stands up so much and it's just Thank nice you, it's nice to see someone having fun playing the drums and yeah, not fun not just you know playing some really fast complicated beat that makes most yeah. viewers feel like crap. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I, I don't know I, uh, how you feel about that kind of stuff. I know you're, you're a very capable drummer yourself, much, much better than I am. But when I see some things, I'm like, I don't even, it's so fast, I can't even break it down. Yeah. And it just makes me feel a lot 
well, very inferior, and it kind of brings me down right. a bit. But I don't know. I think you know, I, I, I definitely don't want to make people feel inferior if I play something technical. And with all due respect to the guys out there that are playing blast beats, I respect them. Uh, for the amount of time and effort, it's not easy to do this. It's not easy to blast at 300 BPM and a hell no. It, it is impressive. However, um, in terms of my particular tastes, which probably not too many people care about, but it's not really my cup of tea. I have a lot of friends of mine that are doing this kind of drumming. They're fantastic. They're good yeah. guys. Uh, I, I respect and appreciate what they're doing. However, I, I question the overall musicality of it. Um, for on a long, a long, uh, a long time frame, you know, I can't listen to so much of that style of music for too long. Um, yeah, I see what you mean. I think music needs space. So, you know, the notes are important, but someone much wiser than myself once said the notes, uh, the space between the notes is also important and probably more important when you listen to, yeah, you listen to John Bonham. The, the room is breathing. This guy is, he's got a touch and a feel and a tuning. But when you're blasting and you've got triggers on your drums, yeah. where's, where's the time? There's, there's no time. So I think uh, it's a shame that if guys, some guys do that to like hurt people with their, with their music, look at me. It's like, I'm so good and you'll never be this good. I think that's not so nice. Yeah. I don't uh, think my, that's great. my idols. I don't think Terry Basio was playing from that. I don't even think Mike Portnoy plays from that vantage point or Mike Mancini. They're, they're very high level technical drummers and that's the way they play. It's natural for them. And, uh, they're good at it. And, uh, you know, they display it. Yeah. Virgil Denante, the same. His his style is is fitting with this genre of music that he's performing. I don't think they're they're uh you know really trying to like, okay, now watch this. You'll never do it. Yeah. Um, and I think also if you try to unlock those secrets, it'll make you better. Of course. I think it's always great so, to, to it takes time. It takes it does, time. You know, the I practice all the time. I'm practicing like six hours a day still, and I'm 61 wow. years old. I'm still learning. I, you never, you will never own this instrument. You can own it. You can pay for it, but yeah, you'll never own it. It owns me. Yeah. I'm learning. There's always a new challenge. That's fantastic to hear that you're playing so often. I, I, I really yeah, I wish it. I could find. Well, I'm making excuses here. I'm sure I possibly could find the time my wife might not agree or might not be too happy about it or i might have to quit the job the day job but um there's ways around things or sleep less i don't know but um dana dana let me explain something to you this is my wife right. and, and and my girlfriend and my pet right yeah and, and my hobby and it's, it's Really, I've, I've done this for so long. I never tried to mix those two worlds. Anytime I tried, mm. I'm not saying people can't do it, but it didn't work for me because a lot of people don't understand the amount of time that you put into it. And of course, strange hours and the strange people that come around. Oh, plenty of strange people. But yeah, you've, you know, you have to make sacrifices. <laughs> That's a strange. Whether that be in your sure. personal life, your social sure. life, or, or sleep, you know, to, yeah. to put the hours in. And it's one thing I do. The balance. Obviously, I'm very happily married and very happy. Um, one thing I do regret when, when I was younger that I didn't spend more time practicing uh -huh. drums 
And I was yeah. going about doing other things, going out drinking, playing video games when I could have been practicing drums. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I, I'm, I'm at the age now where I'm, you know, work pressures, mortgages, things like that. You have yeah. less free time to play drums. And I'm like, the I could have got, the- got so much better when I was younger. <laughs> the reality of life, as you get older, the reality of life closes in on you. You know, totally. we, we drummers, we play. Musicians play. G- grown-ups don't play. They go to work. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's a balance that you have to find. Yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something, but it was going to make a point. But all oh, uh, right, okay, maybe it's come okay. Back. Uh, you, you've made you've made playing your work life, I believe, pretty much all yeah, of your adult I, life. Is that right? Yeah. When I was a kid, my father used to my my father was a pharmacist, and he wanted me to go to college. I have a degree in electrical engineering. I never used it. I graduated in 1981. I went and grabbed the sticks. I went on the road. But um, nice. Yeah, my father used to say, you can't make your hobby your job. And I was like, you know, when you're 16, you're like, yes, I can. I can do that. He didn't know anything about paying rent or whatever, you know, buying food. Yeah. And you learn you learn the hard way. When This is why another reason why I never really criticize any drummers, professional drummers. Because if the guy's out there making a living, he's paying his rent, yep. he's buying food, maybe he's got a family, respect. Totally. He's make try to make money. All these guys that hate other drummers. Okay, it's one thing to type "I don't like you" on the keyboard. It's another thing to move out of your mom's house, yes. swing your arms, and make money. Fly, have jet lag, do shows. People don't really understand all the things that go around it. Oh, but getting back, I wanted to say, yeah. to make some of the drummers out there that are non-technical drummers, you don't have to be a technical drummer to make a living in a band. You have to be able to play the beat and you have to be a little bit lucky. If you look at the top, I think it's the top three or four drummers in the world that, uh, I'm sorry, the the top three or four richest drummers in the world. I think I've seen that list. It's Ringo Starr. Dave Grohl on it somewhere? Uh, No, no. uh, The the drummer for uh, Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones. Phil Collins. Yeah. Dave Grohl is in there. He's like number four or five. But okay. these are guys, these guys don't even spin their drumsticks. Yeah. I, I don't they, spin mine. I know you do. But you, you don't you, spin you, your sticks? I get out of no, here. I know. To be honest, I don't. I know. I just feel you like. You don't have to do that. No, I know. No. I don't know. I, I don't I, I do, do many showy things. Like I just kind okay. of, I rock out. I kind of, I put a lot of energy into it. I just don't Good. do tricks. I don't know. Maybe don't one day I will. Tricks. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, the thing is, I do it because I like it and it's fun. It looks it's good fun on cam- for me. Yeah, it looks good on camera. And here's well. here's the other thing I must say about showmanship. Okay, you said I look like I'm having a lot of fun. I am having a lot of fun. I want other people to have fun, yeah. even people that don't play drums. When they watch me, when you play to an audience of people with your band, less than one percent of the people in that audience are drummers. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you, if you do this, if there's some young people in the front row and you go, (laughs) they're like, wow, that guy did a trick. Yeah. He did a trick. You know, it's like, I'll I'll have to watch that guy. The drummer is always in the back. Yeah. A lot of times he's in the dark. They don't focus the lights on you. Okay. And so everyone's watching the singer and the guitar players. So a lot of people think, oh, if you twirl your sticks, you're crying for attention. Not really. I'm I'm trying to entertain 
the people and I'm entertaining myself. However, you don't have to do that because there's plenty of drummers that don't do it. Look at the drummer for you too. Exactly. I like I don't even know who the drummer for you two is, but he's in you. But like yeah, he's in you too, and he's very successful. So but he's, he's a very minimalistic drummer, but everything that he does is good. It's yes. it's fun to watch him. I'll watch him. Yeah. You know, I watch I watch a lot of guys that don't spin sticks. And then there's some guys that are you know, playing fusion or something. They're playing so much complicated stuff, they don't have time to Yeah, do it. when you fit that in, yeah. <laughs> drumming. Yeah, I mean, if you do you know this guy Tony Royster Jr.? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did a drum clinic with him, a drum festival in Holland when he was 8 years old. Is this the famous it, video of with him doing the drum solo? Cuz I rem- remember that when I was a Maybe I was a teenager yeah. and it came out and it was like, oh my God. This yeah. and I guess insane. Absolutely insane. A, he's a prodigy. Okay. And now he's even more insane. Yeah. He's even I mean, I watch him play on the rolling drum kit and stuff, and it's just like it's just so, so precise and fast. He really grew into an excellent musician. Yeah. Um, but even when he was a young guy, he was on his game, you know, and playing really playing some serious stuff for, for a young person. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching him. I was standing backstage with his father and uh, I said, wow, he, he was playing some song, but there was no click track. And I asked his father, what's, what's going on? He goes, he just practices a lot. He doesn't need the click track. <laughs> it was some crazy jazz song. There were breaks. There were some breaks, like long breaks, you know, there was no, but he was right dead on. I was just like, incredible. So there's all kinds of different drummers. You know, I love Gavin Harrison, fellow Brit guy, really nice guy, super clean, super technical. I appreciate that. And then I appreciate the drummer. Oh God, now I'm having a mental block. He plays for the singer for, for Motley Crue. Oh, Tommy Lee. No, no. Zoltan Chaney. Do you know this guy? To be honest, I'm not familiar with that name. No. Okay. Everybody watching and you check Google Zoltan Cheney. You will see you talk about stick tricks. I get tired watching this guy. And he's doing some, he's got his hi hat, his leg over the hi hat. Crazy stuff with the sticks. It's nonstop show. It's really a pleasure to watch him, nice. but he doesn't miss a beat. Exactly. He's right there on the groove. But I mean, he's he's actually an athlete. He's wearing like basketball uh Stuff. I never met this cat. I, I did say him play, play live once at a festival. I sat behind him and I was just just mesmerizing. It was fun. You know, for me, drumming is a it's a hobby. It's a passion. It's a sport. It's musical. It's rhythmic. Yeah, it's many things, you know. So the thing is, though, when you play in a band, just getting back to this thing about stick twirling and all that, even if you're not stick twirling, you're still entertaining. You're playing to the people. You are an entertainer. You are in the entertainment business. You're not in the drum clinic business. It's completely different, isn't it? Yeah, completely different. Yeah, so um, that's my speech on all that stuff. You know, I mean, I don't want to uh, make someone feel bad. Uh, I think everyone should watch, every drummer should watch every other drummer play and let them do their thing and respect it. And if it's not your cup of tea leave or go get a drink or keep scrolling you don't have to i hate you i hate you i yeah. hate you and that's, the, <laughs> and that's the worst thing about unfortunately yeah. the, on, the online situation is that there are so many of these trolls 
yes, it's no, funny. I, just, I just don't know why they existed. I, I don't know. I just like, if you don't like anything, just scroll past it. Yeah. There's no need I mean, to leave a, a nasty comment. I don't understand no. those things. I, I have, op- I have opinions, you know, but does anyone really care? I, I very seldom give my opinion, even if someone asks me because it's my opinion. Yeah. Music, music is very personal. It's like your, your clothes that you wear, the shoes that you wear, you know, and your style, it's also very personal. It's your form of expression. Exactly. So Certainly. why would I, you know, if I don't necessarily enjoy it or I don't find it entertaining, I, I watch something that I find entertaining. <laughs> yeah. That's we great. only have so much time here. Exactly. Well, it, totally. <laughs> and, this, and nowadays there's so much options. So you've got to find something you sure. like. There's no point wasting time watching something you don't like. But um, So listen, many options. Go, going back to when you mentioned... Yeah. Um, Zoltan being an like an athlete. I've noticed yeah. yourself, you're you look very fit and strong. Um well, thank you. Uh yeah, well, you you must work <laughs> hard at that. I don't know how you find the time yeah. to to look like that and play as much as you do. But is that is it partly because of the drums that you you stay in shape? Is that a big thing for mm-hmm. you? Well, you know, uh, this might sound strange, but um everything that I do even when I'm not playing drums, is for the drums. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that I eat, I'm a vegetarian, nice. I don't smoke, I, I train a lot. I was always in the gym. When I was a kid, I was an athlete. I played American football, and I was an ice hockey player. I wanted to be a professional ice hockey player. Oh, cool. So to play ice hockey, you have to be a little bit crazy, and you have to skate. I love to ice skate. I still do rollerblade i like that so i was always into athletics and i think my approach to drumming is athletic um since the gyms closed i found a new way to train um i'm only doing calisthenics which means pull-ups with your own body weight lots of push-ups every day i'll do about 500 push-ups wow uh, different <laughs> kinds of push-ups, like diamond push-ups. Yeah, you can see some of these videos on my on my website. But okay. for me, for me, it's part of a way to go into myself and to keep myself fit, mm-hmm. uh, to keep to keep the core. Your, you know, when you're sitting on the drums all the time, you have to be physically well. You have to be well to play this instrument, even if it's not aggressive music. You still have to be, you know fit you have to be clear you have to remember everything so i find that all these things i'm cycling now i'm going to take up surfing that's my next thing because i love to be outside i love to be in the sun i love the beach um i'm living on on the beach so all these things yeah it's a very nice lifestyle i'm very lucky to be able to live the way i do however i did work for it i dreamed for it but um yeah, all this physical fitness stuff. Thank you for the kind words, but I've always uh, done training. I, I remember when I was in high school, they took us to the weight room. Uh, I've never yeah, been yeah. in a weight room. I never saw weights before. I was like 15, 14. These are the weights, guys. This is what you do. Start doing some curls. Do some bench press. And I liked it. I liked it. I For me, it's kind of a meditation. I was going to say, it sounds like to you, it, it is maybe you're kind of meditation yeah. being in the gym or doing your doing your home yeah. workouts and stuff sure and i see some people that are not musicians you know i train like when i train in the park there's a bunch of young guys there they listen to their uh what's that music uh uh trap they listen to trap music you know and the, some of these guys are gymnasts they're doing their pull they're super strong and they're doing their stuff and 
For me, it's just a way to see another side of things, you know, not mm. just locked in the room with the drums or hanging out with uh, heavy metal guys or whatever, you know, there's, yeah, yeah. there's many different things going on in the world. So it's my way to go out and take a little break from drumming. And uh, it's actually good for you as well. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, six, I'm 61. Um, you look amazing. Yeah. For, you know, God bless you. Thank you so no, much. No, no, it's amazing. It is great. And, um, you know, I've, Still going. I used to like, I'm, I'm, I guess I'd, I'd be considered fairly small guy at the moment. I used to be, mm -hmm. I used to be in the obese category and I, I put a yeah. lot of work in to lose the weight, but I've never kind of got to that point where I've gained muscle. And even though I've tried, I never kind of got to that point where I thought I was making, making progress, but now I'm more into my mm -hmm. cardio and I go running and things like that. I'm not really focused on the, on the muscle side of things. But. That's a great thing. There's, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that you were overweight. I give you a lot of credit for, for doing that. It's very difficult. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, um, what a lot of people don't realize is, is when you have more muscle mass, your metabolism goes up and you burn fat, even when you're just sitting there watching TV. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, if you do a little bit of uh, weight training and mixed with your cardio, you're going to be fine. You don't have to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever. Yeah. I mean, this, these guys are on another from another world. I think what you have to do is is train for your own frame for how you want to be. But I think you look cool, man. I think yeah, uh, cool. God bless you. It's it's really hard to lose the weight and keep it off. Yeah, I look I look okay in clothes. I've never been confident enough to kind of you know <laughs> go out in public without you know topless and stuff. I've never got to that stage, unfortunately. But um, one day you never know. Playing the drums That's topless. That's the goal, but. I've never yeah, been close to it. it. Never been close to it. Let's just hope that they never make. <laughs> let's just hope that they make everyone wear their clothes. Yeah. In our lifetime. Yeah, I think it's better. Yeah. I think yeah, it's I better think. when we have clothes on. I mean, oh, I, totally. <laughs> I'm also not, uh, you know, sometimes I, th I think it's better to, to uh, cover up. I mean, I used to play a lot. I was into Tommy Aldridge. He always played without a shirt on yeah. like an animal, you know, and oh, that, that's cool. But now I'm, uh, I'm starting to, to change a little bit. Maybe it's a bit offensive for the masses, you know, because yeah. uh, it is. Yeah, know, it's, these days you got to be yeah, careful. You're on mm. social media. There's kids watching. Maybe there's some some women watching. My my audience is predominantly male. It's like ninety percent men. So mine's like ninety seven percent. for the podcast, anyway. The, I know. Which yeah, is, well, this is yeah, guys. Well, there's yeah. a lot of girl drummers coming up now. Yeah, too, which is cool. I really want to get uh, some on. Yeah, I haven't yet. Like uh, Anika Nealis from Germany. Oh, she would be uh, amazing. She's really yeah. good. Sheila E. I love Sheila E. She's yeah. fantastic. Uh, Cindy some, Blackman. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dream, dream guests, you know. But yeah. We'll see. You know, you I keep building it and um, hopefully, yeah, one day. I, I only do kind of two, I only put two episodes out a month at the moment. Oh. So I can mm -hmm. only kind of, like, you know, like how, how, it, how difficult it was to kind of organize this. I've had other people kind of pull out on the morning and, and then I never hear from them ever oh. again. So it is quite difficult. So I kind of do a few at a time rather than schedule mm. interviews for like two months time. Cause I just know it, people yeah. have busy lives and it's difficult to kind of commit to little things like that. So, but thank you for taking this time. You sound like, I you've, think it's you've, very, I think it's, you're welcome. No. You're in the middle of recording an album right now, so I, I feel really honored that yes, you've actually I'm, taken this time to speak to me. 
No, my, my pleasure. I'm, I'm recording a new, the third album for a band called The Ferrymen with uh, Magnus Carlsen on guitar. He's a great songwriter. He's a Swedish guy. He's a Viking and he <laughs> plays, he plays for a band called Primal Fear. He's a great songwriter, great guy, really great player. And the singer is Ronnie Romero. He is originally from Santiago, Chile, ah. and he's singing for Rainbow with Richie Blackmore and a host of other bands. He's worked with some really great drummers. He's worked done project with Simon Phillips. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, Ronnie's a great singer, great guy. Uh, so this is the third album we're doing. But just getting back to the thing that you mentioned <clears throat> about some guys not getting back to you. Oh, yeah. That's very rude. And then these guys wonder why they're not successful. Well, some of them are. And I think that might be the reason why yeah. they don't think, yeah. you know, they, they maybe see me as, well, I don't uh -huh. have a massive following. And I'm not so going to, they're benefiting me more than I'm benefiting them. Let's uh -huh. put it that way. So it is, it's, well, most okay. of my guests are like that, to be honest. <laughs> but um, uh, Well, okay. Maybe if they're, they're really famous and busy, but still, yeah. <laughs> you should at least leave a message. Uh, yeah, that's know. why I, I, I was messaging you all day. You're great. Today. I was trying to, Mike's I been like amazing. To... You've been sending me voice messages, <laughs> emails, WhatsApps. It's been great. So I appreciate that. It's, it's amazing. Considering we've never I'm met a... before, it's very kind of you. <laughs> a man of my word. I, 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 think that, I think that's important. You know, if you want to stay in the business, no disrespect to the other guys, whatever, but I mean, if yeah. you want to stay in the business, I think you have to be polite and, and honor your, your word. If you make an appointment, be there yeah. and be there on time. That's very important in the drumming world for anyone with Any regards to gigging, regards to recording, rehearsing, auditioning, be on time, be on yeah. time or be early, preferably, is my advice. If yeah, you know, some of these, some of these people don't realize you do a festival and they're like, okay, you've got a line check 15 minutes. And if you're not there, well, then you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the band, you know, Absolutely. drinking beer and whatever. Yeah. Uploading. If you're backstage uploading videos of yourself on Instagram. Yeah. Do that on the like way home. Me. Yeah. Well, I know it depends what the situation is, but yeah, festivals are quite high pressured. And it, yeah. I guess it depends on what level you are, whether you've got a tech, whether you don't have a tech. I'm in this medium sure. stage. Sometimes I have a drum tech who's also a guitar tech. And he does a yeah. bit of both. I don't have a dedicated drum tech normally. Yeah. Sometimes I do, depending, well, depending on how well paying the gig is, I suppose. But um, there's also festivals. Yeah. I do everything myself because it's not in the budget or, you know, there's a fly out. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm in this in-between stage. So you've got to get in the zone. Uh, this is another thing I was going to talk to you about, yeah, actually, time. when we're talking about fitness and strength. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you have any specific like warm-up techniques before like a, a session or a gig or to, to pre prevent injuries? Because I've had injuries myself. I've had a bit oh. of a, 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 a dicky shoulder. It still plays up with me every now and again. Um, and that started... Yeah, shoulders. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm, whenever I do shoulder, you know... Presses presses and things like that or even bench mm -hmm. presses sometimes i feel the twinge in there so that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons i've actually stopped doing that because yeah it's, it's hard on the joints it is hard on the joints and I, i'm like well <laughs> drumming is my job well at the time it was before covid yeah. and i was like I, I i yeah i'd like to have nice muscly shoulders and, and a nice nice pecs but i'm like well if mm -hmm. it's gonna stop me from playing drums i'd rather not you know right so, Hi, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Drum for the Song. I just wanted to briefly interrupt the interview 
to tell you about my Patreon page, which is a place where you can support the podcast and, of course, support myself. You can um, sign up to one of the three tiers on there. There's one that's £3 a month, one that is £5 a month, and one that is £10 a month. There are loads and loads of exclusive benefits to signing up, including bonus episodes, merch discounts, Christmas card for myself. Um, if you sign up to the top tier, I'll send you a pair of my drumsticks. Um, loads of other stuff. So go check it out. It's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. And um, another way you could support me if you're interested, if you're not bothered about the Patreon thing, if you go to my official website, drumforthesong.com, you can send a donation via PayPal. So, um, yeah, thanks for watching this and enjoy the rest of the show. Drum for the Song podcast. But, yeah, with, with regards to, like, warming up and stuff, is there anything you do? or? Yeah, I, I do some things. <clears throat> I think maybe because I'm generally in shape, I don't have to warm up too much. Of course, it depends on the band you're playing with. If you're, if you're playing with uh, an aggressive band where you play a lot of double bass and uh, yeah. the first couple songs are fast, well, of course, I'll warm up on a pad. I'll go through some rudiments. A lot of times I, I twirl the sticks. When I twirl, I'm using these fingers, but you can see that the, the tendons, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it loosens up the forearms. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do stuff like that. You know, paradiddles, inverted, uh, inverted paradiddles like this. Kind of like an inside-out paradiddle. That really works the left hand. So I'll do that. Sometimes if I want to stretch, I take the sticks like this and just do this very slowly. That just kind of stretches everything out, hold it. Don't ever, don't bounce on that. You'll rip your tendons and your ligament. Just go slow. That kind of stretches things out. Yeah, that's, that looks good. And, you know, getting getting back to this weightlifting and stuff, <clears throat> if you do push-ups, it works your chest and your shoulders. If you work with your own body weight, you have less chance to get hurt. When you start loading on all kinds of weight, that's when things start to go wrong. I've yeah. had some problems in the past, but... Um, I think warming up, uh, if you want to get your shoulders warmed up, just used to do this in Cir uh, football. Circles, yeah, yeah. Just little circles, little circles, and it, it puts some fluid in the joint, you know? Yeah. Your That's arms around. Yeah. A little bit. But you don't have to, like, go back, go crazy back there. I just think that if you're generally in shape, a minimal amount of warming up, mm -hmm. stretching. This was a good one. Jojo Meyer, have you ever done this? I have, actually. Yeah, someone taught me that. This is really good. Yeah. It's a really good one. Or a lot of guys take the sticks and they play this way. Oh, they play this way. Oh, I've never seen that. That's cool. Yeah. So they, you can do rolls if you don't have a pad. Yeah. You actually you know, you, utilize the sticks. That's great. Yeah. yeah it's a good idea. Yeah. You don't have to go too hard to get to. But it's kind of this, you know, the same thing when you're playing drums. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot of things. I, I think the most important thing is to be relaxed. A lot of guys think, oh, yeah, man, you're hitting hard. But really, it's an illusion. Yes, I, I agree. I'm not, that. I don't break cymbals. I used to break cymbals when I was a young guy. I used to rip them in half. I thought, yeah, I'm ripping the cymbal in half. That's great. Not really. It was, it was expensive. Very and expensive. It, sounded, it sounded bad. You know, my drums sounded bad because I was hitting them too hard. But now when I hit the cymbal, 
Even my sticks, I don't break that many sticks. But when I hit the symbol, I don't hit it and go, <laughs> I'm going to go through you. <laughs> hit it. You know, when Bruce Lee does his one-inch punch, you know, yeah. the guy is like, ha, whatever. The guy goes flying. You know, it's the same thing. You know, when you, when you do a hit, it's not. It's, it's more of a whip. In and out. Like a whip yeah, action. Yeah, it's it? a whipping yeah. motion. Yeah, everything yeah. on the toms. And if you, if you use that technique, you won't have any problems in your, your, your hands and your forearms, your wrists, your mm -hmm. loose, you know, fingers. And that's, that's the technique, you know. Not great. Not, yeah. <laughs> not like a stiff. I'm glad you agree with the, the not hitting too hard because I th I've always had the argument that I think I hit the drums hard enough. And I think any further than that, you lose the tone of the drum. Obviously, you're going to more likely to damage your cymbals or your sticks. And I think if you hit the drum, especially like a tom or a snare, if you hit it too hard, you just you, you lose it. You just hear a bang. You don't hear any tone. And, um, yeah. and I've been yeah. in situations where I've been said, oh, hit harder. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. okay, I'll try. But it's not going to sound better. <laughs> I think it's going to sound no. worse. But I don't know. I think I'm experienced to come to that conclusion. I agree with you. I mean, when I was younger, I was hitting hard because I thought, yeah, I have to hit hard and I show everyone that I'm an animal and I'm a high hard hitter. But when I started to listen back to myself, you know, we didn't have stuff like this yeah. in the seventies and the eighties. We didn't have the technology. We didn't have good microphones like they do now. Now the technology is there where if you need to hear yourself, you don't have to go, ah, you, you hit it's there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and this makes it, I think when you hear yourself really well with a good monitor system, you're more relaxed. You're more expressive. You don't have to overmodulate the drums and destroy everything, breaking sticks and everything. Um, you hit the drums with enough authority to, to draw out the tone, yeah. you know? And I think what's more important than hitting hard is hitting at a consistent level. Yes. Because especially if you're in the studio, Yes. Because the guy will adjust the drums, all the inputs, the, the input gain on all the channels. He adjusts that for your playing style. Yes. So if you're like, gig, 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 it's like, no, no, one continues. And once you establish your, your, your limit, you know, where you play with a certain amount of dynamic range, the microphones do the work for you and you sound good in the front of house. That's correct. Yeah. That's when you hear a great drum sound, it's not because the guy's beating everything. It's because the microphones are doing the work and yeah. he's tuned, he's tuned his drums and he's drawing the sound out of his drums. That's the trick. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And mm -hmm. I, luckily I've been told by sound engineers that they like my consistency. So that's, that's a nice compliment. Whereas sure. I might not be the most technical drummer. Things like that are important. So I think it's a lot, it's important for everyone to realize these little things that, you know, make you a good drummer. Yeah. Again, you're back to this technical stuff, but I mean, if you look at Phil Rudd, Oh yeah. If He's... you, if you play, I used to play in several ACDC bands. Everyone thinks that ACDC is easy to play. It is not easy to play. It's not, it is not. And the stuff that Phil Rudd put down on those records. And I also like Chris Slade. I like his drumming. Yeah. I like both of them, but of course, Phil Rudd is the man. He's the first guy there. He's the original member. Yeah. He's back in the band again, actually, which is He's cool. Back, he's uh, back in. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy, He's he's playing in such a minimalistic manner, um, and he's playing for the song, 
which exactly. is the name of your show. This guy's really playing for the song. Okay. There's little weird breaks and stuff as strange Tom fills. It's kind of primitive, but in a way it's very cool and it's very groovy. This guy has a groove and it's minimalistic. And that's what makes Phil Rudd one of the most famous drummers out there. He's in one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Yeah. He's quite, he's quite wealthy. I just watched a documentary on him. He's got a warehouse full of cars. This man oh, wow. made it. He I need made to see it. this. Yeah. I need to see that. Well, I don't know if it's on YouTube. I'll check. I'll check that out. I don't know if yeah. like, he's such a big inspiration to me. Um, I've only ever Love got him. to see him live once, but um, yeah. luckily my a friend of mine in France got a drum head sign. So if you see that drum head to my, that uh-huh. drum head there. Oh yeah. From Phil Rudd. That's from Phil Rudd. So it says to Dane Campbell, he spelled Campbell wrong, but, um, <laughs> but that's amazing. So I keep that there and it's like inspiration to me and anyone who's watching It's like, yeah. he's, he's literally one of the most successful drummers in the world that has ever been. He's in the biggest rock band. Yeah. That exists. And, I'd say. And the drum sound. Yeah, I saw sound. ACDC. <clears throat> I saw ACDC in 1976. I I saw them open up for Aerosmith. Oh, wow. And what a show. The sound, just the two guitar. It was just this wall, the kick and the snare. You can't, you can't uh, avoid not liking this. You it's just, it's the best garage band in the world. I I saw a very funny interview. I think these guys are hilarious. I love ACDC. I think they're very cool guys, cool personalities, but they were asking Angus, um, question he was there with uh the singer uh i think it was bon scott at the time they asked they said they said oh we hear that you guys uh get a lot of uh hate comments because you you play all your songs with uh you made a lot of songs with three chords and angus goes three i thought we only used two chords (laughs) (laughs) two chords two chords all the way to the bank man and people move people move to that music okay God, it's like a, it's nonstop, man. That's, Unbelievable. Yeah. It's so I think AC, ACDC was techno before there was techno. Yeah. Good point, actually. In really a, checking out the old stuff, man. Yeah. 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 I know. I'm, I'm familiar Incredible. with it. And, and, and like, I was in the crowd. They did, you're, you're obviously familiar with Download Festival in the UK. Yeah. Download. And yeah, it was, the, it was the year that, they they were headlining, but they brought oh. their own their, their own entire stage. So there was a main stage, uh-huh. but they brought their own stage for their set. Oh. Got it. They, <laughs> it was it was wired, man. It was it was insane. I lost all my friends in the crowd. I couldn't. So I watched most of the show on my own. Next, I don't know. I, I remember being next to some, well, scantily Satan clad worshiper. woman. <laughs> no, but okay. she was she was a big 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 woman, and uh-huh. I ended up next to her somehow. And I was like, I can't find my friends. If I if, mm-hmm. if I stay near her, at least I know where I am. <laughs> but yeah, the crowd was absolutely crazy. ACDC wrote a song about that girl. It's called yeah. Whole Lot of Rosie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I saw ACDC in the 70s. I saw them with Bon Scott like three three or four times. Oh, and man. Bon Scott, no offense to uh, the, the new guy, the new guy's Brian, great too, yeah, but yeah, uh, Brian Wilson, I love uh Brian, why, Brian, why is my mind going completely? Oh, come on, and not Wilson, Brian. Is, no, I was just definitely. watching him yesterday. Ah, come this on. It's embarrassing for me as well because I should know this. It's very embarrassing. Yeah. Brian, 
Brian Johnson. That's it. Yes. Brian Johnson. Oh, got it. Okay. Brian Johnson. But uh, when I saw them with Bon Scott, <laughs> this guy, Bon Scott was really a character. That's right. Here. He yeah, was yeah. really a crazy, a very cool front man. And if you listen to all of his lyrics, his lyrics are great. Dirty deeds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's just great stuff. So can't say enough good stuff about ACDC and Kiss and Cheap Trick and all these bands from the 70s. Just really, it was a great time to be alive and see all this great music and all these great players. And uh, now I, I often sit here alone with my memories and thinking, wow, what happened? Where did everybody go? Mm. And then I, I post a video and everyone's like, you, you this horrible. I was like, hey, man, I'm just trying to have some fun. Mm. Why don't you smoke a joint and chill out a little bit, man? <laughs> smoke some weed. That's what I did in high school. I'm not condoning <laughs> that, but I mean, come on. You know, it's smoke. You fun. smoke some weed. You chill a little bit, and you listen to the music. You yeah. you don't have. You're not full of hate. Why is everyone so full of hate? I know. I, I really don't don't understand it <laughs> at all. And like, I know. I know. I know. I I listened to another interview you did, and you talked about positivity, and it's something I've definitely tried to yeah. introduce to my life. Sure. My life, like intentionally. I think I've sure. historically. A lot of my friends would probably agree, and band members. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I have I have been known to be a little bit of a, you know, pessimistic person, and but lately I, I completely try to change that, and I, I always look at the positive in everything, and I, I write in a journal every day, a positivity journal. Um, I don't know if you heard of that, the five minute journal. I do all these things. Um, I try and look at the good thing in everything, um, and I, I heard you talk about that, and you mentioned a few books, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, positive thinking is very important. Now, I, I can tell you, I'm far from perfect, okay? I think the most important thing is to, <laughs> excuse my English here, but as I've gotten older, I've done, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've said some stupid stuff. I'd get mad. I have a, I'm Italian. I'm Sicilian. I have a crazy temper. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to, I try to control that because I'm a perfectionist. And then I, you know, I, I lose myself. And I think the problem is when I was younger, I would just be like, Wah! now as I'm older, <clears throat> I see the camera from the third person and it's like, Hey Mike, though I start freaking out, you know? And then I say, Hey Mike, you're, you're kind of being an asshole. <laughs> and when you start to realize that you're acting bad, it's no fun. No, exactly. you know, and it's no fun for the other people. But I mean, I've been guilty of this <clears throat> myself. I've been in situations when you're on the road, you're tired or something goes wrong or yep. you're stressed. Everybody has the way to release I can say that I, I don't necessarily agree with some ways I've handled myself. I think the key is, is to realize that you made mistakes and to try not to do it again. So I've read some books. One of the most important books I read was The Magic of Believing by Claude M. Bristol. It was okay. written in the 1930s. I've read the book 10 times. You can uh, listen to it on YouTube as a talking book. And <clears throat> getting back to this positivity thing, I truly believe that what you put out comes back. Okay. Now, these people that write all this nasty stuff on the internet, whatever, what they don't realize is that stuff spreads, it multiplies, and it will return like yeah. a wave. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I don't want to be in that wave. I want to be in the cone of light. Oh, I'm <laughs> in the cone of light. Oh, I am protected. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. You hear it? Okay. So, You've got the reverb in there. That's great. Oh, it's fantastic in here. This is my room. I'm all alone in my room. But <clears throat> I think that book really helped me out a lot. And I really think that when you uh, do good things for people, 
whether it has to do something with music or even if you just open the door for somebody, yeah. it doesn't even matter if they say thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Many times um, I've actually met a couple of good drummer friends this way. I see some people see a really good drummer and they get intimidated. And then maybe they write a comment like this guy is overrated or something. But uh, I have uh, for one friend of mine, a drummer by the name of Dalibor Mraz. He's from the Czech Republic. An excellent drummer, a young guy. I saw him playing on on uh, Facebook, and I clicked like. I gave him a like, yeah, and yeah. then I, I I wrote to him, great playing. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to send this guy a message. Cool. So I sent him a message. I said, Hey, Dalibor, really, you're really really good. Smiley face. He wrote back to me, Hey, man, thanks a lot. Blah, blah. We're friends. We've done shows together. We do clinics together. We help each other out. I've met other great drummers through him. Yeah, there you go. So do you know drummer Gerg? Yeah, Gergor Borlai from from Hungary. Do you know Gergo? I think you I've should seen check this. Guy. Incredible, yeah. incredible. I mean, these two guys play together. They're like similar styles. I'm like a heavy metal drummer, you know, rock drummer. But I, I sat in the room and just watched these two guys trade, and it was like it was fun. It was uh, it was inspirational. No, I can't do it. It's okay. There's always going to be somebody better. Oh yeah. So. If you're feeling good with yourself and you're able to give someone else a kind word, it will, it shall be returned. It might not be returned from that person, but it shall be returned. Yes. Like the, well, I sound like a wise man. No, you are, you are, you're a lot wiser than, you know, someone <laughs> I look. Well, <laughs> no, but you've got the way you've got, you know, you've got, you've got the experience, you've got the wisdom. And yeah. I think people need to take wisdom. things like this on board. And like, yeah, it's like, there's lots of ways. Like yeah. karma is obviously one of the things. Karma. Another karma, um, yeah. You know, like I know, I know it sounds a bit. It doesn't sound sad. I don't mind, but like the universe, oh, I in karma. the universe gives you back what you put into it, that and things like that. I, I'm beginning to realize things like that, and that you know that's why I try and try my best to change yes. my outlook. And let me tell you something else. When you start this getting on this positive cycle, and you start to believe in karma or realize that it's actually. W- that it's real. Yeah. You, you start to realize that when you do something wrong, the karma payback comes very quickly. Mm. When you're switched on, it's like, I, okay, I, I did something wrong. Maybe I, I didn't conduct myself properly. I, I hurt that person. Bang. Something happens to me. It's like, uh-huh. Okay. But when you do a lot of good things, it's like putting money in the bank. You're getting a karma plus, not a deficit, you know? Yeah, and yeah. then it's like, oh, wow, I got a phone call today. Somebody wants to interview me on the web. <laughs> Dana. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I, it's nice. I mean, I could be, I remember a time when I was sitting at home and I was praying for someone to call me and ask me about what I do and appreciate what I do. I, I hold on to every moment I answer everyone on Instagram. Anyone that says they, I say, thank you. It takes a lot of time, but that's part of my job. If you put the stuff up there and they like it, you have to say thank you and answer questions. What kind of symbol is that? A lot of guys want to know about the hi-hats, the 15-inch Peisty Soundage hi-hats that John Bonham's played. Beautiful. I've got, I've, I use 15. 2002 heavy hi-hats so they're not the sound edge but you're similar okay amazing sounding symbols yeah yes they're all the peisty symbols are amazing but yeah. really I, I i do you know who brian tishy is yeah of course okay brian tishy he's really a bonham fanatic he runs the bonham bonzo fest <clears throat> and 
when we do this, we play on this John Bonham drum kit. You know, he's got a Vista light kit, a wood kit. And man, he tunes them drums up. He really is into Bonham. He's got an ear for that. He's also a great guitar player. Huh. Brian Tishy is an awesome musician. So yeah, he's had a lot of great gigs with White Snake and Billy Idol and all these guys. So, so it's great to, to be around these kind of people, you know? Of course. And when I, when I play this drum set that he tuned, that's where I got into the 15-inch hi-hat because he had the, the, the 24-inch ride, Pisces 2002, the, the giant beat hi-hats, 2002 hi-hats, whatever. This, you, start to, you start to realize, oh, whoa, this is, this is part of Bonham's secret. It is. There are some secrets in the equipment. <laughs> but good equipment will make you sound better, and it will inspire you to play better. I, that's what I kind of think. I've, over the years, I have spent a lot of money improving my gear. Good. Like it, it doesn't automatically make you a better drummer, but it does make you sound better than having. You want to play more. Yeah, and it does. Yeah, ins, yeah, insp the inspiration, yeah. and that that's partly. Yeah. I've mentioned it before. It, until very recently, I only had an electric kit at home, and which is uh -huh. great, great tool, great for playing quiet. Yeah. But I never felt cool. inspired to play, and I've recently set up a little three-piece um, or four-piece, like. It's more of a cocktail kit, really, acoustic kit. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it's so much more inspiring just to play that, even if it's for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. And I, I, I it's just the real enjoy deal. It. I enjoy it so much more with real Pisces symbols. And well, I've just got sure. a, a I've just got a, a ride and yeah, 15 inch big beat hi-hats on, on that kit. But um, yeah, it's just so just so Beautiful. fun. It's not. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's organic, you know. There's yeah. all the all the dynamics and the nuances are there. Yes. Uh, okay. The, there's the the electronic drum companies. They've really done an amazing job trying to duplicate an acoustic instrument. I give oh, them yeah. a lot of credit for that. Yes. It's a great tool. But I will say this, you know, uh, Peisty makes these PST seven uh, symbols, like the lower line symbols for right. kids or beginning. I play these on a kit. I've got a, a PDP New Yorker kit with like a 18 inch kick and little rack toms up. Man, we put microphones on that kit. I did gigs, those PST symbols. They sound awesome. PST hi-hats, ride and crashes. You don't need all this expensive equipment. There's, there's, it's really nice. When I was a kid, I remember I needed new hi-hat symbols. So my mom took me to the store and I bought these things called, no offense to the company, Camber. I don't know if they're around anymore, but the symbols were kind of silver, like right. made with a lot of lot of nickel, you know? Okay, yeah. And as soon as I stepped on them, <laughs> they turned, remember that? The old stuff, they turned inside out like, hey, mom, <laughs> these symbols, <laughs> they're not working. Why, <laughs> well, you already broke them? What the hell are you doing? I'm like, I, I didn't do anything. I just, but <laughs> now there's equipment out there. Like the PST series, yeah, you can you can step on them, you can bash them, and they, they don't break, and, and yep. they sound good, and they don't turn inside out. So it's uh it's nice now the technology is here. I play these PDP drums, and that's a lower line DW kit. They're made in China. I yeah. like them. Yeah, I really I do. I don't play anything I don't like. I think I think that's definitely one thing that the modern drum world has is the intermediate kits. Apparently, yeah. just as good as what the the kind of pro level kits were 10, 15, 20 years ago. From a lot yeah. of people have told me that. And um, until recently, I was playing a, an Asian Sona kit, which yeah. was fantastic. Sona is good. Amazing, good. absolutely amazing. Um, and it was only because I, recently I thought, oh, actually, I want to get a German kit again. I've, I've got one. I haven't toured it yet, but I can't wait to tour it. Um, what do you got? What kind of kit? It's a. It's called an SQ One. 
Oh, the Sonar SQ1. Yeah, 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 yeah beautiful, Bert, beautiful drums. Yeah, Bert, Bert shells. But um, yeah, I've got big sizes for my big rock band, you know, 24 inch kick, 13 nice. rack. I, I only ever use one rack and I use two floors. So I got a 16 and an 18 floor, but it's just my, it's my first. For, yeah, it works for it works for Phil Rudd. Exactly. And he's good enough for Phil Rudd. It's good uh, enough for you. And it's black <laughs> as well. So yeah. Phil Rudd is a big inspiration. I've got his. I've yeah. got. I've got a signature snare drum, which I use as a spare, and it's a great awesome. snare drum. Um, but yeah, well, good stuff. The story. If you've got time, a little bit about some of the drum kits you've got, because I've heard you've got a bit of a collection. <laughs> Don't know where you're storing it, but yeah. I heard you've got lots of drums somewhere hidden away. I, yes, I do. <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any children. I don't have a wife, but I have lots of drums. I have lots of storage lockers. I have one in L.A. I have two in Germany and I have one in Italy and I'm, I'm hoping someday to put it all in one spot. That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. I probably own a, a little bit, maybe over, just over a hundred drum kits. I have um, PV drums. I was an endorser. I have Pearl. I have a lot of Premier. I was a Premier endorsee. Huh? And the reason I hooked up with Premier, it's a very interesting story. Nico McBrain heard me playing drums with a band called Artension because the guitar tech was friends of someone in that band, Artension. He heard the CD, and I was working with uh, Roland Grapple, the guitar player of Halloween, and Halloween used to tour a lot with Iron Maiden. And I was backstage, and I was introduced to Nico. I was very excited to meet him. You know, I loved Nico, an Iron Maiden fan when I was a kid. Of course. And I said, hello, I'm Mike Tarani. He goes, oh, wait a second. I think I've heard your drumming. And I said, really? Because yes, we have a CD on the bus, Our Tension. Nobody knows. This is a kind of like a dream theater type prog band. You know, cool. we did a few records. It's nice. It's good, cool music, you know, challenging to say the least. Yeah. And Nico liked that. So I, I said to Nico, I said, hey, you know, I'm I'm just new here in Europe. I had just moved to Europe. I said, I'm trying to get a, a drum endorsement with Premier. He goes, you know what? Let me, let me make a phone call and uh, see what I can do. I was like, yeah, okay, right. So I was living in Holland at the time. I'm sitting in Holland watching TV. The phone's not ringing. You know, it wasn't just arrived. And I get a phone call and it's Nico McBrain. And he, he's in the tour bus. Hey, Mike. Yeah, it's Nico. Hey, man, what's up? I can't believe Nico McBrain called me. He's like, I called Premier and it's all sorted out. Speak to Andy Laidlaw, who was the artist relations guy there 20 years ago. It's all sorted. Oh, okay, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Cheers, mate. Bye. Was gone. Never didn't see him for a while. I called Andy Laidlaw. Everything free. Wow. That's unbelievable. One phone call. Nico McBrain. Do you see what I mean? The, he didn't have to do that for me. No. And so when someone else needs help, I help them because somebody helped me. It, so everybody needs a, a leg up, you know, everybody needs a hand. Yeah. So I'll never forget Nico for that. And when I was in a band called Rage, I always used to thank Nico on all the records. And I love Premier Drums. I love the Signia series. Oh, yeah. I have I have many Signia series. I have a 75th anniversary Signia series with wood hoops, walnut finish, and gold hardware. I got PV drums, Pearl drums. I got a Trixon drum set that was made in the year I was born in the Raper Barn in Germany. It's a German-made kit, Trixon. They used to make those egg-shaped yeah, bass yeah. drums. It's a red sparkle. I have a lot of drum craft drums. I have a lot of PDP drums. I have lots of snare drums and cymbals. And... Um, Right. For me, I don't sell my drums. Oh, I still have the Mapex drum set that I use with Ingve Malmsteen at the Budokan. I still have that with the cases oh. and the drum riser and everything. So I got uh, some. I got so much stuff I don't even know what I have anymore. I, I can wow. imagine it must be hard to keep track of it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. You know what? When I was a kid, 
Christmas would roll around and my parents, what do you want? I want drums. I want drums. That's all I ever wanted was drums. They never gave me drums because they didn't want me to be a drummer. <laughs> so I started working, making money. Guess what I got? I want drums. I got yes. And, and you know, uh, when you get a, an endorsement, I think a lot of guys think, oh, yeah, you get the stuff for free and then you sell it or whatever. If you start doing that kind of stuff, you're, you're kind of an a-hole. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's it's their product. They give it to you to support you. I like to keep it. Once I play, I put my spirit in that, in those shells. You know, I made records with those drums. I did make DVDs. I did tours. So when I go into my storage locker, I can smell the history of Mike Tarama. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Um, I've, yeah. I have, I've never had any free gear. Um, you know, I, I have got a few endorsements, you know, it is kind of, you still pay like yeah. half price or whatever, hopefully maybe, mm -hmm. but, um, also I have sold, I have sold a few kits and mm -hmm. when I look back, well, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't sell that kit. Cause I did that tour. I did that music video mm -hmm. where I made that album, mm -hmm. but it's come down to where, where the hell do I store it all? Um, it hasn't always been for financial reasons. Sometimes mm -hmm. maybe, yeah. but, um, yeah, I don't know. But I, I normally I was, sell something when I buy something else that kind of fund the new yeah. purchase or at least partly fund it. And um, I it's don't know. understandable because drum equipment is expensive. Yeah. You work in a day job. It's like, okay, I got to sell this to get that. Hmm. Um, I, I do have one drum set that I paid for uh, when I, I, it was actually a half off deal. I had a deal with Sonar. Only one kit. I have a Sonar des designer series, oh. White Sparkle. Oh, that's like my dream kit. That's because because one of my biggest influences is Mickey D, as yeah. as, as you probably know. I like know. Mickey. Yeah, Mickey was the son still sonar guy. Yeah, yeah he you had know, the white sparkle. He had the white sparkle designer kit. When I was yeah. a kid, I had a I had a Motorhead poster on my bedroom wall. Well, it was just mm -hmm. a Mickey D poster. It was a sonar. Mm -hmm. I think it was a sonar poster. Mickey D mm -hmm. standing behind his big white kit. You know, I think he signed it to me or whatever. Yeah, and Beautiful I guess drums. yeah, it it kind of. It, because the the kit I've been playing the the, the Asian Sonar kit was White Sparkle. It wasn't a designer, but it was. So I, for the last ten years, give or take a few shows, I've always played a White Sparkle drum kit. So, but like beautiful color, beautiful it, lo color. it looks amazing on stage, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Um, White is good; it takes on the light colors, and it's it's positive. It's yeah. it's not so evil. But um, the Sonar <laughs> Designer Series kit, it's worth about twenty thousand dollars. Wow. It's it, I have all signature hardware. Oh yeah, that's I have two 22-inch kicks, uh, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 14 snare. And I mean this drum set is it's it's a Mercedes, man. It's a it's the German engineering. I just love this drum set. I think it's one of the most beautiful um designs. That's why they call it the designer series. I still have the catalog uh with all the exploded drawings and stuff oh, yeah. and um yeah I, i'll tell you another story i auditioned for doral pesh maybe 20 25 years ago in new york city i went to uh uh sr sir studios in new york i was still yeah, playing yeah. with tony McAlpine at the time we had a day off and i, I was in boston visiting my mom and I, oh, i'm gonna fly to new york i'm gonna audition for doro <laughs> crazy right yeah, why not so and bobby rondinelli was the drummer for for doro for a while so i thought she wanted all this kind of yeah you know it turned out she didn't want that but anyway uh. <laughs> uh, when i when i got there my friend works at sir in new york he let me in early and there were the road cases uh, Doro had owned a backline of 
drums and amplifiers. So I open the case. What's in the case? Sonar highlight black diamond copper hardware. Oh my God. You know yeah. this kit? I've seen it. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah. Beautiful. I was there for like two hours. I put this drum set together. Mm. <laughs> I beat the hell out of that drunk kid. <laughs> I didn't get the gig, but you know what? It was worth it. I had a lot of fun. I got to touch those drums. I remember when they came out with that that series. Yeah. Uh, just really a beautiful look. I love the copper. And later on, as I went with Drumcraft, which was given to me by uh, the distri distributor here in Germany, Gava, they also distribute D uh, DW, PDP, Gibraltar Hardware, Peisty Symbols. I have to give those guys a plug because they support me a lot. Of course, yeah. Um, the Drumcraft drums were, were done by Gava, and I had white pearl drums with copper hardware. Like Teeth Moon. I love that drum kit. Beautiful. That's one of the most awesome drum kits. It's a beautiful look. Cozy Powell has a drum kit like this, too. The gold with the black uh, stripes on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardware, amazing. Beautiful. So anyway, I'm a drum fanatic. I mean, you can't have enough drums. You can't have enough cymbals. You can never have enough snare drums. You can never have enough pedals. You just can't. What it's all good. What pedals are you using out of interest? Oh, I music. Well, uh, you know, I love the DW pedals. That's basically the standard uh, pedal. I grew up on those. Well, actually, yeah. I started on the Speed Kings. The Speed Kings, oh, yeah. that was me metal on metal, man. That's really hard to fly on those, but... I was doing it, and uh, so there uh -huh. were a lot of other guys. Bonham was doing it yeah, on the Speed King. So then I uh, I forgot to mention Ian Pace. Of course. There's another guy. He's Absolutely. a Speed King. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Um, I went to the DWs. I got the DW 5000 chain drives, round cam. I was flying on those. Then I discovered something called the Trick Pedal. My friend Mike Dorfman from Trick Drums. He makes aluminum drums, aluminum snare drums, and he makes this Trick V1 pedal. Um, he's uh, right now. I'm using the Trick uh, Black Widow pedals. They're <laughs> longboards. I never had a longboard pedal, but they're right. pretty. Yeah. And the, the double um, the the double bass pedal, the the axle that goes across. There's there's no play in the joints. It's right. Solid. So the technology is really cool. It feels like two separate bass drums, but it's. I've never tried those. Yeah, I've always. You would, I've never, you would like. Uh, the left it. pedal. The left pedal is also. It's not just a slave. It's an actual pedal. So if you want to play two bass drums, you just take the 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 drive shaft off, oh, put the beater in the other pedal, and go. You don't have oh, to adjust anything. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really really good pedal. A lot of guys are copying the Trick pedal now, mm. but uh, Mike Dorfman from Trick, he was the guy that invented it. Well done. And I have to say, well it's a really good pedal. It's improved my playing. So would you say you you've played you can play faster with that than I previously? So. Yes, mm. yes, so I can. I can maybe, play maybe, faster. Maybe I should I'm try not, one. Yeah, try one. I mean, I'm not I'm not a blast beat guy, you know, but I like to play a lot of double bass and I like it to be solid. Yeah. And I, I, I like it, I like to to play at a higher tempo. If I'm up at 180 BPM, 16th notes, yeah. I like to, I can relax my legs. I can get the technique where I can I can fly for a while and I'm not out of control, you know. Yeah, like the other pedals you have to really work a little bit too hard. I think. Yeah, that's right. Like that's one thing I've been trying to actually improve in my own playing. Because in in the band, I, I don't even know if you know about my band. I'm in a band called Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. So it's with my dad and my brothers. I know who you are. You, you know, okay. I don't. I don't know if you know Pretty about cool. the band. But yeah, yeah we do. A, yeah, we do a bit that. of you know double bass stuff. But it's you know 
the fastest I kind of go is probably 155, maybe 160. And I, I seem to struggle to get past that. And I'm using, at the moment, DW9000s. And I've been the tweaking. They, they're solid. I love the solid yeah, yeah. feel of them. And um, I've got them nice and consistent. But mm-hmm. it's probably technique. I've been experimenting with ankle technique and things like that, um, mm-hmm. which is a nice relaxed style. Uh, but I can't yeah. seem to get past that. And I, I'm Break wondering the whether, plateau. Yeah. Yeah, it could be the pedals. It could be the technique. It yeah. could be a variety yeah. of things. But also, I have to say that the trick pedal is not for guy. It's not for beginners. Right. Uh, I remember when I first got the pedal, I took it out of the box. It's like, I'm a professional drummer. I, there were some instructions. <laughs> through the instructions. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> right. I'm a, you know, the Ikea furniture, whatever. I'll figure it out. <laughs> three three days later, what are all um, these extra screws? But yeah. um, I got my pedal, my trick pedals, and I threw away the instructions. I start working on them. And after two or three days, I got frustrated. Mm. And I sent an email to Mike Dorfman. And I said, hey, man, I'm trying to love your pedals, but I'm having a lot of trouble. Oh, and no. he goes, did you read the instructions? And I was like, Mike. Do you realize who I am? I'm Mike Toronto. I don't need instructions. I've been playing, you know, I didn't, I, but I just, I started laughing. I said, no, actually, Mike, I didn't. He goes, go back and read the instructions. Zero the pedals. There's some, there's some, some um, calibration. Ah. And you first, you have to calibrate the pedal to zero and then make your adjustments. And then whoa, another world. Right, so okay. it's, it's not for a kid that wants to sit down and go crazy. You have to, there's a little bit of uh, some instructions, some science, some physics. Yeah, it is a lot of science and physics with pedals, isn't it? I think that's science! <laughs> we'll prevail. Thomas Dolby. <laughs> she blinded me! With <laughs> probably don't know that song. <laughs> no, not, that's, man, that's crazy stuff. And um, we're, we're coming to the end now. Um, All right, to the if, end. If that's, that's cool, I know you've got stuff to do. Um, if you wouldn't yeah, mind I do. going through a quick, quick fire round with me, 10 quick, quick answer questions. One answer question. Okay for that? Yeah, quick, quick try. Very quick ones. Do, do you prefer hot or me. cold weather? Hot or cold weather? I think you're going to say hot. Hot. That's why you're hot. living it. Drop it, it like it's hot. Drop it like it's <laughs> hot. Yeah, I got to be. I got to be in the heat, man. I hate right. to be cold. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. It's horrible. Yeah, I don't blame why you live in Italy, snow. man. I, I love to live in Italy. Oh. It must be a beautiful place to live. Um, daytime yeah, or nighttime? Daytime. Day- oh. Sweet or savory? Schmidt. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Guitar or bass? <laughs> bass. Same, same. Nylon or wood tip sticks? Wood. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, this is going to be a tricky one. <laughs> Bonham or Pert? Pert. Mm. That's so hard, isn't it? For, for yourself, ah. I imagine. It sounds like you've been influenced heavily by both of them. I would have to say, I would only say because I'm stylistically closer to John Bonham than Neil Pert. Okay. I would have to say, I would have to say John Bonham, but I love Neil Pert. God bless him. Yeah. The poor man. His, I, I mm. was so sad when I found out about his passing. I did yeah. a song to honor him. I played 2112. And really his style, my style is not like Neil Pert's. It was hard for me to, to learn it. Yeah. But I love Neil Pert. He was a, a very intelligent man, a great writer, a great poet, a fantastic drummer, a super perfectionist. Can't say enough about him. No. But John Bonham for me in terms of my stylistic. Yes, I understand. I understand that, man. Uh, Beatles or the Stones? Ah! <laughs> Beatles. Beatles. Yeah. I'm a melody guy. Me too. I love the Stones, though. Yeah, the Beatles. Yeah. Um, well, 
clear or coated drum heads. I think you use multicolored colored ones, don't you? Yeah, I'm using the clear. Well, they're kind of blue, clear. Blue, clear, yeah. yeah. So that's clear. So that's cool. Clear, yeah. Nice. Um, bigger or small venues? <laughs> that all depends, but there's nothing like a big venue with thousands of eyeballs out there. And you get the backstage. Yeah. You got all kinds of food and lots of room. Sometimes I have my own dressing room. I like that just being there with, with my pad. And I was like, what's wrong with you? You're antisocial. I was like, no, I just like to spread out. You know, well, the problem my- is if you, if you, if you bring your practice pad out in a small dressing room with your other band members, they just complain it's anyway. It's, it's annoying. Yeah, it's loud. It's yeah. loud. Or sometimes like when I put my mohawk up, I have this hairspray that like, if someone lights a match, the whole place will blow up. It's like, are you going to spray that in here? It's like, yeah, okay. I'll go to another area. Maybe yeah, my yeah. own dressing room would be oh. nice, but there's nothing like having your own dressing room. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in Japan with Ingbe Malmstein, nice. we all had our own dressing rooms. Wow. That's, that's yeah. probably, proper rock star. And chauffeur, we had our own driver. These little, uh, these little black cars, these Japanese guys with white gloves. They <laughs> drove us to the venue. We drove under the venue. I never saw the people. Wow, that's, that's crazy. That's how the big boys high, do it, you know. High tech. But, I mean, there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with playing in a bar, though. You know, I, I like it when my shoes are sticking to the floor and there's a a big penis on the dressing room wall. <laughs> yeah, rock and roll. Uh, lots of penises <laughs> in the UK. That's a big thing. This this penis is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure that's great man yeah. and this is an interesting one because i know you're more of a well you are a, a kind of technical prog drummer as well favorite time signature to play seven seven and i thought i had a feeling yeah, it was going to be seven. seven prog seven's kind of natural yeah kind of natural i quite enjoy it i don't have a lot of experience playing but i feel like i could do it if i if i had to it doesn't happen in my seven band but uh, no it's great man five five is good I tried five the other day and I tried to film myself playing in five, but then uh-huh. I ended up getting lost. And I think I did a few bars of six. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. Let's, let's do this another day. Let's practice this more. <laughs> but that's amazing, man. It's, um, it's different, challenging. It is yeah. challenging, but it's good to try. Stick your metronome, metronome sure. on and, and do it, you know, get, try something different. I can play four, four even better. Yes. Um, just before we finish, the one question I ask every yeah. single guest, if you could be, if you could start your own dream band with yourself on drums, who would you have playing the other instruments, whether they're dead or alive? And who could you, who would you have in your perfect dream band? Okay. I would have Doug Pinnock from, uh, what's the name of that band? I forgot the name of the band. Oh God! I can't help you with Doug this. Doug Pinnock, the black bass player. Damn it! Wait a uh, second, I gotta Google it. You now. I know the name of the band. You're welcome to. Not the Living Color, is it? No, not Living Color, but they're great too. They're great Doug band. Pinnock. Oh come on! I, I don't. I don't Listen. recognize the surname. Yeah, Doug. Mm. Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska is one of the albums. I don't know. Dan. He's a great bass player and he sings like Jimi Hendrix. Oh, wow. King King's X. Oh, there you go. You've got it. Doug Pinnock. Doug Pinnock on bass and vocals from King's X. Right. Okay. 
and Steve Lukather on guitar oh, and vocals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what me a- and moi be in the back, twirling my sticks. Three-piece. Three-piece, man. Three-piece. Can you imagine that? What kind of chemistry that would be? Sounds could also be Could also be Brian May on guitar. That would be pretty crazy. Well, you're going to have two guitarists. Nothing wrong with that. If he wants to join, he can. Gonna, Actually, you know, <laughs> three, like Iron Maiden, if you want. <laughs> nah, I know what you mean. Well, why not? Sure. The, more the, the more the merrier. But no, you know what? I'll just tell you one quick story. I met Brian May at the Cozy Powell uh, plaque unveiling in Sirencester, England, which is where ah, Cozy Powell was born. I right. met Brian May. He's I'm, really tall, and he was one of the nicest people I ever met. I've, I've, I've I was shocked. I, yeah. I turned the corner. I was going to, to the to the bar to get a drink. Nobody was in the place yet. I turned the corner and I bumped into him and he goes, he goes, hello, I'm Brian. Thank <laughs> you for coming. And I was like, yeah, you're Brian. Wow. Hey, wow, I can't yeah. I'm not going to wash my hand ever again. It was crazy, but he was very kind. He said a lot of nice things about cozy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I think my dad's quite friendly with him. Um, cool. So, which is very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think. I've definitely been in his presence at a Motorhead gig backstage, but I uh-huh. don't recall if I've ever met him as in, hello, I'm Brian. Hello, I'm Dane. I don't think that's ever happened. But um, Have you ever met Filthy Phil? Yeah. Um, he, he's actually a really great drummer and a funny guy. <laughs> well, I loved his hair. I loved his mohawk. Totally. It's great killer. But just going influence. <laughs> it was big influence. I, when you when you were saying about the the early double kick drum players, yeah, yeah he's one was, of them. Was he, sure. He's one of them. Yeah, one of the pioneers of that kind of right. style. I think maybe maybe a yeah. year or two later, by the sound of it. But um, yeah, he great. He's up there. Great. Wild. Yeah. My dad's got some funny stories about him. But uh, oh, I bet. Oh, <laughs> the, how would you like to be a fly on the wall in that yeah. tour bus? Yeah, I don't know. I don't any of them can remember most of it, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. great, man. Um, no, it's been a pleasure to have you on. You've been absolutely amazing, and um, thank you so much. I I, I I I make sure everyone will follow you on social media if they're on there because they'll get entertained every day without doubt for free. I'm shamelessly exactly. promoting myself without question. Exactly, it's for free, and why would people yeah, moan about that? Just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to have fun. You know, people are locked in the house. They've changed. Yeah. The world has changed. It's like, okay, I'm bored. Maybe someone else is sitting in their house. Bored. Oh, look at this guy. Yeah, <laughs> there's, still, there's still people on furlough and stuff. I know I've been working and you've, you know, you've been doing your thing. We haven't been gigging. Yeah. I've been busier yeah. than ever doing this and my other job, but there's still yeah. people who are, have watched everything that is on Netflix and they literally yeah. need entertainment to keep them sane. So sure. I think it's a great yeah, it's thing only, you're doing. It's only, thank you. It's only one minute. It's just yeah. one minute of, hey, I smiled. The guy did something funny. I know yeah. Mozart has Mozart has a lot of problems, this guy's. When it, I put on that costume. Was that controversial then, that one? No, it's that, not so I, I try to respect Mozart. I mean, obviously, he was a genius, but yeah. I like to have fun. When I put on that, co- I like to wear costumes. I don't know what it is, but. The Mozart costume. Uh, it's cool, man. It's, I love it. It's sexy. It's sexy. <laughs> I think uh, it's a good way to end. end. Sexy Mozart <laughs> costume. Um, but man, thanks. Thanks, Mike. A, yeah, as, let's as, just as, end it. Yeah. No, cheers. <laughs> Thank um, you. Good luck with your session. Uh, I look forward to hearing it. Cheers. I'll check out thanks, some of the bro. other things you've done. And um, okay. awesome stuff. And have a great night. Okay. And enjoy the sunshine in, in Italy. I will do, sir. Thank you for having me, Dano. No, absolutely. Best pleasure. wishes. Yes. Okay. Cheers. Cheers.
Drum for the Song podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you could leave me a review or leave a comment, that would be fantastic too. You can also follow me on social media at Drum for the Song or at Dane underscore drums. If you're on Facebook, you can search for Dane Campbell Drummer or join the Drum for the Song official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could consider buying some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon for additional content. Any support like this is gratefully appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groovemaster patrons who are listed in the description below. Thanks so much for listening or watching this far, and if you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song.